How amazing were the worship team this morning and just leading in faith, leading uh, prophetically. I just think that's so important. Uh, I, I really believe that stuff happens when we worship. Barriers are broken down. Stuff is moved. Things are shifted. And this morning was one of those things that if you let your guard down, stuff was going to happen. Stuff was going to shift. And so I just encourage you to continue being vulnerable in worship. And we do have some wonderful real love happening that I love. I like that song. Who likes the song Real Love by Hillsong Young and Free? I, I love it even more when I'm not preaching. Wonderful. Um, can we just pray? Let's give this to God. Jesus, we just come before you, Father God, and we submit ourselves again to you in the same spirit of worship that we're in, Father. We want to lean into your word this morning. Father, would you speak to us? Would you speak through me this morning? Would you speak through your word as you always do? In the name of Jesus, amen. Can I encourage you to have faith this morning? Can I encourage you to lean in this morning? Can I encourage you to receive what God has for you this morning? Um, I am really excited about Um, You know, when you preach a series, there's usually something that God has birthed in your heart. And today is the thing that I finally get to get to the things that are really strong. And so you kind of sometimes have to to dig in. And so I just want to do a little bit of a recap of where we've been, a very quick one, and we'll jump into today's content. But I I don't want to move forward until we really just pause and recognize the need for hope. The need for hope. I mean, it's almost desperate because folks with no hope have no future. People with no hope have no future. Where is your hope today? What do you have hope in? There is hope available for you. It was one of the first things that we talked about, that there is daily hope available for you in Jesus. There's new hope each day. The second thing we looked at was we need to hold fast to that hope. We fast forward to last week, and we talked about that hope is not just this nice idea. It's just not a nice feeling. It's just not something that we conjure up, but it is inextricably connected to the character of who God is. Our hope is not a feeling. Our hope is not something that we wish we had. It is connected to who Jesus is. Four attributes that we looked at of who God is, and and we can by no means encompass who he is in in one Sunday morning. We probably just scratched the surface, but the four attributes that we looked at was the first, and it came from our key text, it is impossible for God to lie. Getting that revelation into our spirits should alone shift some things in the way that we move about our everyday life. If we're connected to, to one promise of God, you just, just choose one in the Bible and then declare that it is impossible for him to lie, your spirit starts to shift in hope because you know his promise still stands. His great is his faithfulness. The second thing we looked at is that he is the I am. Why is that significant? Because he is present. He is with you. It's not he was with you. He is with you right now. Whether you want him to be with you or not, he is with you. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful we don't get to get a pass from him being with us. He is the I am. He is present and he sees the things that you've gone through. He sees what you've gone through. That's so important for hope. Because you can't have false hope. You can't have fake hope. You can't have somebody that comes in and says, don't worry about your situation. It's going to be all right. Well, you don't know my situation. You don't know how messed up it is. You don't know how, how tangled it is. You don't know how complicated it is. But he's with you. He does see you, and he still says there is hope. He is mighty to save was the third thing we looked at. We talked about, you know, poor Meg, my step-grandma. She just wouldn't let me carry that watermelon. 
But how often do we step in front of God and we don't actually trust that he's strong enough to do what, what it's too vulnerable. It's too easy to, to just block him out. It's easier to take control of ourselves. But I want to declare again this morning that he is mighty to save. He is, he is mighty to do the things that you cannot do in your life. And I promise you this morning, there's things that you just cannot do. But he is mighty to save, and he can do those things. When we start to get fear on this place, you're probably relying too much on yourself. If it's fear of demons, it's fear of your own demons. If it's fear of your past, if it's fear of failure, if it's fear of shame, you're relying far too much on yourself and not on the God who is mighty to save who is going to compel whatever it is that you're dealing with to move aside. That's a powerful promise. If it's impossible for him to lie, if he's present with you and he sees everything you're going through, if he's mighty to save, and the last attribute we looked at is that his love never ceases, that he loves you more than any of us can comprehend. And because he loves us, he forgives us. Because he loves us, he's I love that the word in Psalms 130 that we looked at last week was, he has plentiful redemption. I love that. No matter how messed up your situation is, God has plentiful redemption. He can redeem no matter how much you might mess it up or someone else messes it up for you. He loves you that much. This morning, what I want to look at is hope for tomorrow. Is hope for tomorrow. Hope for the future. Let's just read our central text one more time. It's in Hebrews 6, 18, starting halfway through verse 18. It is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf. One of the first things that, and I I do want to talk about hope for the future, but one of the first things I want to look at this morning is that when we're talking about the future, it can be really easy to kind of put that in a box where nothing happens today that's relevant to the future. And so what I want to talk to, the the first thing I want to talk to this morning is how do we navigate the present in light of holding hope for the future? How do we navigate the immediate around us if we do and we are supposed to embrace and hold on to this hope for the future. When you're in the middle of something, I think it's far harder to see progress. I think it's very easy to see the problems, though. It can feel like there's no growth. Same problems again and again. I've been talking about my chores recently in this series. So I want to further enlighten you less about me and more about my boys. I need to take the heat off of myself from my lack of dishwashing to my flushing random objects down the toilet. And I want to move forward to my boys because they're just as hopeless as I am. So one of the main chores that they have that Angie is so passionate about, I'm less passionate and you'll see why, but Angie's so passionate, uh, she's here, so I have to be really careful what I say. Sometimes she leaves and so I have more freedom. Um, so she, she loves a clean house. Who, who out there, can we have some support for Angie, that, those that love a clean house? We've got clean people in here. I can feel it. It smells fresh, you know? 
smells fresh. So Angie loves a clean house. And so the boys, their, their main chore is to pick up their toys from the ground. And, and I promise, me and the boys are able to make a pretty good mess. Like, we do a really good job. Legos and blocks and, and all sorts of random toys that we've just assorted. Angie tries to throw out boxes of toys weekly, but I go and find them in the rubbish and we bring them back in. So, anyways, the, the boys have been working on this. And so, the, recently, Angie... Angie and I often will pick up after them. And so that's something that we're really trying to not do is like they really have to take accountability for their actions and they need to grow up. They need to grow up. They're three and five. They need to grow up. And so we've finally got them picking up their toys. And so I, it was just this week. Um, they had picked up most of the toys. So they, they'd gotten most of them. So Angie thought that all of the toys were gone. And so Alexa... Even though she sleeps at night, she does enjoy being carried. So we carry her a lot. So Angie had Alexa, and she was walking, and she, she stood on probably one of the sharpest toys I've ever seen. It was the, the, I'm telling you, the floor was clear, but she had thought the floor was clear. I can tell you, she did not have hope for the future at that point as she stood on this toy. She, I could see in her eyes, I could see the pain. You know when you watch somebody just go through the, the, this, this like cycle of feeling pain, you see anger in their eyes, you see that there's children present, you see that she's a woman of God, this like all these things like this, these reminders come through her head and how, how it processes and how it comes out, you see, okay. And I can just tell you Angie is redeemed. She's moving from glory to glory, how she dealt with it. Um, so she, she was carrying Alexa, but you could just tell it was amped up by how she was carrying Alexa as well. She's just like, she, it was as if the boys had just endangered her and her child, you know, it was just, you could see this and she was really upset. And I could see that she didn't have hope for the future for the boys picking up toys because they had failed again. And they'd failed pretty bad, meaning they'd really put her in danger. See, as she's leaving, I feel more freedom to tell my story. But I saw it from a different lens. And this is one of the things I want to encourage you and maybe talk to this morning is the first part of this morning, how we navigate the present. Is that even though I could see that she had no hope for the future and she thought what was in front of her was a problem, What I saw was a promise. I saw a promise. And that's one of the things I want to talk to you this morning. What I saw is that the boys had cleaned up every single toy except one. I saw that there wasn't, I mean, they should have chosen a better toy not to leave. It was like this weird Spider-Man one with like things pointing out of it. And so it was a really bad toy to, to leave out there. But can I tell you, what she saw as pain and a problem I saw as a promise that, can I tell you, that the state at where the boys would normally leave their toys was like, you couldn't see carpet. But this was the opposite, so much so that she thought it was all clear. And this morning, I want to encourage you to find the promise of the future and today and not see the problem of the present. See the promise of the future today and not the problem of the present. I think it's going to help some people this morning. I think we too often think that the present is the complete picture. I know I get into that. But we need to see, and this is something that I just hope that God opens eyes this morning, is to see that your present is holding a promise for the future. Somebody today needs to see that the problem in front of them is actually that promise for the future. I was thinking just about the life of Joseph, and I'm not going to pull up the scripture, but just... My gosh, that is a wearisome life to live. 
especially his early years. I, you, think, you think of the promise that God sent to him in the form of the dreams. You know, if, if you got a dream where you were going to be like, you know, I don't know, king of your brothers and sisters and just kind of like the man, you'd be pretty amped about it. But then I start to wonder, God, why in the world would you bring a dream if this, this wonderfully unique person of Joseph goes and shares it in this way that he shares it, and he lands himself in a pit beaten up by his brothers, sold into slavery? Does the juxtaposition of those two things not strike you as something where I'd say, God, I would have appreciated maybe the dream to come after I'd grown a little bit and after I'd got a little bit more maturity to not like blab it in front of my brothers and get them all angry at me. It makes me, it makes me wonder why the promise even came. Why is that even there? You fast forward in his life. He, he now gets more promise in the sense of he works his way up in Potiphar's house. Joseph, Joseph, the favor of God is on Joseph's life. It doesn't matter where he's placed, and he works himself up, and he's a man of integrity, and that integrity lands him in prison. I just think, I, I just, I wonder if we can connect to this story today and, and hear the duality of how this happens. What was the point of him even raising to prominence in Potiphar's house if he's only going to find his way to prison? Is there not a better way that he could have, you know, like, filmed Potiphar's wife, like making untoward gestures to him? I don't know. Like, what could he have done? Could he have thought of something further? How could he have navigated that better? How could he have navigated? What was the point of the promise? This morning, I think there's many of you that are doubting the promise that God has given you because you've seen the problems that are in your present. You've seen the valleys, you've seen the highs, but you get so stuck in the valleys that you can't move forward. And as we talk to hope for the future, why well, I want to speak to the present first, because your present is holding you back. He faithfully interprets the baker's dreams, and he finds himself in prison for two more years, even after promising, this guy promises, I'm going to help you out. He doesn't. What's the point of interpreting his dreams? What's the point of getting that glimmer of hope for the future? He then gets the opportunity to interpret Pharaoh's dream, and he becomes second in command. What was the point of him having the dreams if his brothers were going to sell him to slavery? What was the point of raising him to prominence if he was just going to prison? But each of those things actually contained part of the promise. Like I've already mentioned, the argument could be made it would have been better for him had he just been wiser with his brothers or wiser with Potiphar's wife to navigate that situation. He wouldn't have messed up the good thing he had going. But hear this this morning. Both the good things and the bad things were promises of the future that was to come. Both the good things and the bad things were promises of the future to come. Some of those bad things that Joseph had no control over were forming his character for what he was to step into. Some of those good things were a taste of what he would eventually step into one day. They were a taste. One of two things can happen. When we see it as a problem rather than a promise, we get stuck in the present. We start to doubt God, and we move away from him. We move away from, his, from where he's leading us, and we, we, we ruin our chances of stepping into tomorrow's hope when we view the promise that's actually in front of us as a problem. The second thing can happen is this. We get comfortable with the promise, which is just a promise. It's just a taster. We get comfortable with that. 
It was just a shadow of what God was wanting to bring in the future. But when we embrace today's certainty, when we embrace today's comfort, we say no to tomorrow's hope. Either alternative takes our focus off of the future and leaves us stuck in the present. But God is wanting us to see the promise in the present. It's too easy to take the present into our own hands. I thought of Sarah and Abraham. At the end of Genesis 11, we're introduced to Abram and Sarai, and we first find out that Sarai is barren. And I love that we find that out first. Then at the beginning of chapter 12, we see a promise. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. We need to see that promise and not the problem. We need to see the promise of God and not the barrenness of our situation. Note that he, she was barren before they got that promise. Right after Abraham, and I love this, right after Abraham has God explained that his people will be subject to the Egyptians for 400 years. God has this beautiful prophetic passage where he's saying, your people are going to be subject for 400 years to the Egyptians, but I will bring them out. But do you know what happens right after that wonderful prophetic passage? Sarai goes and gets her Egyptian servant and forces that hope to come. She's looking at the present. She's looking at the present as a problem and not as a promise. She's forcing that which was around her to shape and move into the future that God had promised her. I love how the timing of that works, that you read it, you can read it for yourself in Scripture, that it's when God said, your people are going to be subjugated by the Egyptians for 400 years, and then immediately after that, his own descendant is partnered with Egypt. My gosh, there's a whole sermon in there, but I'm not going to go there right now. And she then conceives Ishmael. We get further entrenched within the problem if we see the problem as a problem and not trust that it is a promise. Promise means this. It's a declaration or assurance that one will do something or that a particular thing will happen. If if you catch anything this morning, this would be a great thing to catch, that God is daily giving you promises. The things that didn't work out for you are not failures, they're promises. The things that worked really, really well for you were not the complete thing. They were a promise of what's more to come. My spirit starts to stir even prophetically if we spend enough time here to start calling out things that people have seen as problems that they now need to see as promises. There's relationships that didn't work out that you think were a problem and are now weighing you down and keeping you in the present, I want to submit to you, if God can bring one person along, he can bring someone else along as well. There are things that you think were the end result. You might have had an amazing time as a church or amazing time as a family, and you're stuck either in the past or the present. But I want to submit to you that that was just a promise from God to give you a taster of what is to come in the future. Can you start to stir your hearts that there is a promise and not a problem? If there are kids in trouble, kids far away from God, family members that have rejected God, family members that are, that are you're broken in relationship, can you give God that praise that they're still here 
and see it as a promise that if they're still here, there's still hope to come. Switch the way that you start to see these things and recognize that if you've seen God move the mountains before, you're going to see him do it again. That song is so powerful. I already skipped ahead of my notes. I've seen you move the mountains. I'll see you do it again. Romans 8.24 says this, For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. I think the thing that is tricky to talk about hope and why I wanted to pause here in the present is because you don't have hope that's not here yet. Hope is unseen. If you have something here in front of you, you don't have to hope for it because it's right there. The present, we've got to get this in our, in our spirits because we so believe the present is final. The present is not permanent. The present is not permanent. Second Corinthians strengthens our, our train of thought here. 4, verse 16 through 18. So we do not lose heart. Can we say that? So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We must not lose heart. We must bear this momentary pain. Because it's understanding what the present is preparing for us. We think the present is preparing more present for us. We think that today is going to repeat itself tomorrow. We think that we've already learned things in our cleverness as humans. But I love what this says. That it's preparing an eternal weight of glory. Hear that. That your present right now is preparing you for what is to come. If you can see it, it's not hope. For the eternal things are unseen. We don't abandon, and this is what I want to hear about the present. We don't abandon the present blindly for empty wishes in the future. We must pay close attention to the present, for that is where we live. For in the present, there is promise today that is your hope for tomorrow. Find the promise today that is tomorrow's hope. The next thing I want to step into is, is, is literally just that, stepping into the future. What does that look like? But before I do, I want to just talk about one of my favorite books. I've, I've mentioned it before, but who, who is my Louis L'Amour fans in here? Louis L'Amour, Mark Pluinski. There's two of us. No, nope, we've got more. Ben and Jenny. Un- Excellent. Louis L'Amour is, um, I laugh because I tried to show one of my friends Louis L'Amour, and he just, he didn't enjoy it. So um, it's probably not for anyone. But Louis L'Amour is a prolific Western writer. He's, he's wrote all around the the Western movement across the United States, and just, uh, he's a phenomenal, uh, he's just a great writer. He writes great stories, and you learn a lot, and he's very historically based as well. But, But in these Western stories, one of the key figures is always the scout. We know what a scout is, somebody that goes out, scouts out the land, that goes and checks things out, somebody that, that is going to make sure that you find where the watering holes are so that you don't die an early death. You're going to find where the grazing patterns, you're going to track if there's any enemies there. You're going to find the best opportunities. You're going to find, you, you, you have somebody that goes before you. And, and how many of you know you don't just send anyone to go be your scout? 
I would send Mark to go be my scout. He'd be able to, he's going to touch that grass and tell you who's walked over that grass over the last 10 years, you know. I want to send someone that, that is, is, is truly knows what they're doing that goes before me. And I think one of the things that you can tell, if you send the wrong kind of scouts, we saw it when Joshua and Caleb and the 10 other spies were sent out to scout out the land. Who you have going in front of you matters, because what happened? Those scouts brought back a bad report. This is important. There's something, I'm going somewhere with it. Who you're following, the scouts that you're following, the reports that you're hearing, the reports that you're listening to are drastically going to change what kind of hope you have for the future. So those scouts that went out, the majority came back with a very bad report. You can't take this land. It's impossible. There's giants. The land is beautiful, but you can't do it. We've scouted the land. We know what we're talking about. And 10 compared to the two is pretty outweighed. But can I tell you this this morning, that we can take bold steps into an unseen future and we can begin taking steps of faith and trust because Jesus has gone before us so we can receive tomorrow's hope. That key passage that we read, Hebrews 6, Luke possibly can pull it back up on the screen. It finishes this powerful little passage of scripture saying what? That Jesus has gone before us as a forerunner on our behalf. Jesus has gone before you as a forerunner on your behalf. That idea gets me so confident in stepping in to the unseen. Many of us won't step into the unseen because we've already learned our our lesson yesterday from the present. But we have someone different. We don't have those 10 scouts that bring back a bad report. Now, you may be listening to those bad reports. You may be listening to those around you that are bringing a bad report of what can or what cannot be done. You may be listening to yourself. You may be listening to the enemy. But can I tell you that the actual scout that has gone before you is Jesus. I start to fill with a lot of confidence for tomorrow when I know that he's already gone before me. Do you, do you hear that this morning? That you can step so, so faithfully, so with so much trust into the future because he's already there. He's already scouted out the best watering holes. He's already found the best opportunities for you. You don't have to stress about tomorrow because he's already found the places where the enemy is going to attack you. He sees those places where it's going to come from and he's saying, I've already scouted out for you. I'm better than even Mark Pluinski going in front of you and finding these things. Hear that this morning. You don't have to walk with no confidence. When you see a problem in front of you, see the promise that is there because he's taking you to a place that is absolutely going to be beyond what you're experiencing right now. After Samson lost his pride, his strength, and his eyesight, God had more for him to do than he'd ever done in his entire life. When the Egyptians found themselves, not the Egyptians, when the Israelites found themselves smack dab between the Red Sea and an army of very angry Egyptians, God made a way where there was no way. Beyond what you can see, because he went ahead of them and he already navigated all of those things. But along the way, he's going to bring promises some of them that are going to be tough and some of them that are going to be a light of that eternal glory that we see that are promises and not problems of your hope for the future.
In the midst of impossible, God makes a way, regardless of your circumstances. I just, we could probably preach on this in any church in the world for as long as we could stay there. How many times do our circumstances dictate how much we believe God can do? Our circumstances become so much stronger than what God can do. When something doesn't work out for us, that becomes the end of the world. When you step on a toy, the whole world is going to go to, you know, it's going to end. Can I encourage you this morning? We can have confidence for the future because even though we haven't been there, and I want to stress, you haven't been there. You haven't seen it all. You haven't done it all. You haven't been there. Jesus has already gone before there. He's already made a way as a forerunner on your behalf. Hope is this. Hope is knowing that God has already gone before you, that all of those places have been scouted, All of those places of life for you to find have already been found. The enemies have already been mapped out. The best land filled with the best opportunities have been mapped out. You can rest in today's assignment knowing there is more to come tomorrow. Hear that. You can rest where you are right now because where you are right now is not final. There is more to come. We have a wealth of wisdom in this church. I so appreciate that. But can I encourage you that you haven't got it all, that you haven't lived it all, that you haven't found it all, that there is more to come? There, the word that God put on my heart, he's not finished with you yet. He's not finished with your families. He's not finished with your schools. He's not finished with your workplace. I often think, we've, we think, hey, I think I've seen what God can do, and that's about all that he can do. Can I tell you, you've, you've mistaken those promises for problems or those promises for a permanent thing when those promises were simply just a promise. There is more. He's wanting so much more for you. He's not finished with you yet. He has got more for you. The last thing I want to look at is looking at the big picture, is looking at the big picture. Well, I'm watching time. I'll go fast through this one. This is where the whole sermon stemmed for me, this whole series of hope. And Bruce is going to finish this out on, on hope next week. I, how many of you worry at different times? I worry. My gosh, I should put two hands up. I worry. <laughs> Emma's like, me. I, I remember I was worrying for my kids recently, all three of them. All of them are hopeless. I was worrying for my wife. I was worrying for me. I was worrying. I was just worrying for life. I was looking at the present and recognizing how I, I, I just was worrying. And, and specifically at this moment, I was praying for my kids, and I was just, I just, life is brutal sometimes. But I had this thing dropped into my spirit around the big picture. And I just wanted to share with you, she's, she's around the back over there, but I want to share with you Alexa's name. Because we're so intense with names. I feel like there's so much power with, with what you, you name someone. There's, there's a lot of identity in there. I think God speaks over us. He speaks identity. I loved hearing what Cain's, his full name is, his Modi name too. There's, I think there's some power in there around the identity of who he is. I think there's power in names. So we, we've, we spent a long time, we probably only got her first name maybe a couple of weeks before she was born. And I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, like, this is not an exaggeration. I probably spent an hour and a half every single night, maybe for about three months, in prayer slash looking through every name that's ever been written on the internet. We spent a lot of time. But her name means this. Alexa means, it comes from the Greek verb um, to defend. 
Alexa means to defend. And her middle name means, is, her middle name is Oksana, and it means praise to God. Her name literally, it literally means to defend praise to God. Now, I didn't have that name until I was probably, um, like literally, we, we got her middle name a couple days after she was born. But I had her name in the sense of a Bible verse of what it was supposed to mean very early on. And this is the Bible verse. It was, it was, you know, you've all possibly heard it before. Even the rocks will cry out. It says Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and they're putting palm leaves down and the people are praising. The Pharisees say, stop your people from praising you. And what happens is he said, no, they will not stop. They cannot stop because if they stop, even the rocks will cry out. Even the rocks will cry out. So this, this idea that we had for Alexa was that no matter what happened, there was going to be a prophetic declaration over her life that if no one else was, she was going to defend praise to God. That who she was, that the core of who she was, was going to be somebody that always defends praise to God. That she will always be somebody that makes a mighty shout in worship. Now, why was I getting worried? Because I could just see this small little alien-like looking creature in my arms. And I started to worry about her future. And I looked at my boys who are so wonderful. (laughs) But I started to worry for them. And I could see that, and and my boys have names that I've shared before that just mean so much. And I could just, I, I had a sense of God, we're not there yet. God, I haven't seen it yet. I, I wish I could see more. But this, this is what dropped into my spirit. That what he is building is so big, is so good, is so eternal, is so amazing, that first of all, only he can build it. And anything worth building takes time. And you know if God is going to take his time crafting something over time, it is going to be good. I'm going to skip some just for time, for the sake of time. But the the scripture that was on my heart that I encourage you to to go and look at is, I know it's, we've heard it probably too many times, and so it's just kind of washes over us with, with familiarity. But for I know the plans I have for you. That, that looks different if we start to look at the, the lens that we've been looking at. He already knows the plans he has for you. Remember, he scouted ahead. He knows where you're going. There is more. He is not finished yet. Those things you experienced were great and were bad, but they were just promises of hope for the future. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. To give you a future and a hope, that there is hope for the future. Hope is something that hasn't arrived yet. Hope is something still to come. It's not found in your current circumstances. We need to look beyond the present or what is possible in the present and look to the future. As I was reading the boys, their Bible verse, uh, not Bible verse, we read a story every night. We're in the story of Ruth. And it it ends the story of Ruth by talking about who Ruth's great-grandson is. It's King David. Can you imagine the unknown, scary future that this young woman stepped into with no food, nothing to her name, and yet those small steps of faith into the unseen, of hope that there's something beyond, ended up with a royal bloodline. And even onto that, the bloodline of Jesus himself. 
What was seemingly insignificant in the present became of utmost royal importance. So what I found is that I needed to adjust my expectations to see his plans unfold in front of me in a matter of 24 hours or 24 months, but start to stir my heart with God-sized hope, with kingdom-sized hope, with eternity-sized hope, or what he can craft in someone during a lifetime or through many generations. The sense of the big picture started to grip my spirit that I'd been thinking far too temporal and far too immediate. The reason my hope had been waning is that I had been looking far too close to me and my strengths and what I could do in my dreams and had seen what God could do in his infinite majesty and that he was the one that had made my kids in the first place. This morning, do not underestimate what God wants to do in and through your life. Today, hear this, today is too small to fit all the hope that God has for you. He can't fit it all in. That's why he sends it in promises of more for the future. If he could fit it into today, it wouldn't be worth having. God's plan for your life is bigger than what can be held in today. The fullness of who God is cannot be seen today, but he does send promises for us to gain hope for the future. We must not mistake those promises today for the prize of hope for tomorrow. For Jesus himself has gone before us, the most qualified forerunner to have lived And he has made a way for us, a way we can confidently take steps of faith into the unseen. For what we are stepping into is not able to be achieved in a day, but is God-sized. And as such, the hope that needs to alight in our hearts is God-sized, knowing that we have a hope in our future as a promise from God. Would you just stand with me as we pray this morning? Father, we just, we want to not move from this moment, Jesus. We want to stay in this moment and receive for us tomorrow's hope. Jesus, we are a nation that often can lack hope. Lord, as Christians in 2018, Father, we too often get so overwhelmed by the present and the problems, Jesus. Lord, I I pray for supernatural eyes to be opened to see your promises to shift them from being problems to see promises. Lord, I pray for relationships to be seen differently. I pray for dreams to be reawakened. I pray for hope to alight in your people's heart this morning. Lord, I speak against death for the future. I speak hope into every single person's life here, Father God. Lord, that you have not finished with one single person. Lord, there is not one single problem that can define who we are, Jesus, but simply see it as a a promise to move into the future. Father, we thank you that you've gone before us, Jesus, but we want to rest and trust that you have gone before us. Lord, we're speaking life for the future. We're speaking hope for the future. Lord, may we leave here with burdens lightened, Jesus, recognizing that you already know our plans. And Lord, it's for hope. Lord, we speak hope prophetically into the life of this place in the mighty name of Jesus. You said amen and amen.